Welcome to The Pharmacy Benefit, a podcast that highlights the PBM industry and the value that PBMs bring to millions of people throughout the country in the form of lower healthcare costs and better coordinated care. I'm JC Scott. Thank you for joining me. President Trump recently signed four executive orders on drug pricing. One of those orders would resurrect a proposal that would take away the prescription drug rebates and public programs that are used to keep premium costs down for beneficiaries. The rule envisions moving to a system of point of sale discounts. If this sounds familiar, it's because the same proposal was withdrawn by HHS last year. The reason for withdrawing it at that time was that the administration did not want to risk any action that would cause seniors' premiums to increase. So what's changed? While the idea may seem appealing on its face, government scorekeepers have said repeatedly that this would almost certainly harm Medicare beneficiaries by significantly increasing their Part D premiums. Joining me to talk about what all of this means is Mark Newsom, the principal and founder at Health Evaluations, LLC. For those who have tuned into our podcast before, you may remember, Mark, from our episode that reviewed the latest research quantifying the savings provided by PBMs through negotiations with drug companies and pharmacies. Mark has spent more than two decades working in healthcare policy, both in the public and private sectors. Mark, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, JC. Glad to be here. Uh, interesting times. Interesting times indeed. So why don't we dive right in? We're, we're talking about the president's series of executive orders on drug pricing. And I think we all appreciate the administration's focus and efforts to try and bring drug costs down for American consumers. But help us understand what the administration is proposing when it comes to prescription drug rebates. First of all, just to, to set the premise, what is a rebate? How does it work today? And how does it benefit consumers? So a rebate is a form of price concession that comes from a manufacturer generally to gain favorable uh, formulary placement to keep the out-of-pocket costs low relative to competitor products that may be within that drug class. And so translate that then to us, it's, it's a negotiated discount. So in effect, they are bringing the, the cost of the drug down when they negotiate with the PBM. What does that do for, for the Medicare beneficiary or the individual consumer? So in the Medicare program, since it began Medicare Part D in 2006, rebates have generally been leveraged to reduce the premium cost of the overall product. And it's been working that way for years. We've seen uh, now for several years in a row, premiums being flat or going down. And a big piece of that is leveraging those rebates uh, to drive that premium cost down. And let's talk about what the, the administration is proposing, what they proposed last year, and they, they seem to be reproposing again this year. How, how would it change that system as it works today? So it's, it's fairly complicated. I'm going to try to keep it as high level as possible. What the rebate proposed rule from last year tried to accomplish is to say that now rebates violate the anti-kickback provision of the law, basically saying that rebates induce utilization. And so the jurisdiction for that is the Office of the Inspector General, HHS. And had that rule been finalized, there then would have to be a number of changes made in the Medicare and Medicaid programs that CMS have jurisdiction over. So it's sort of a step-by-step -step process. Had that rule gone final, then CMS would also have to do some regulating and changing of guidance for the Medicare and Medicaid programs. Thanks, Mark. So in essence, the, the rule would say that PBMs can continue to try and negotiate with drug manufacturers, but they can't deploy that any negotiated savings 
to the benefit of all participants in a Medicare plan. Yep. So what the rule also suggested is that you could negotiate what they call a point of sale discount. Nobody knows what that would necessarily look like. Basically, all manufacturers uh, that have rebatable drugs and PBMs would have to go back to the negotiating table and renegotiate all their contracts to figure out what that would look like. So let's talk about what we can surmise about how drug manufacturers would react to that new model. If they're, if they're freed from having to negotiate discounts with PBMs as they do today, do you think that they would freely lower their prices? Based on your experience, just what do you expect the, the behavioral change to be in a post-rebate world? The proposed rule and this executive order provided no sort of backstop. It, it basically assumes that drug manufacturers are going to do the right thing. And in my experience, there's no evidence that they are going to reduce their prices and their profit on their own. There has to be some sort of competitive mechanism that drives them to do that. In the current market, that's having to negotiate with PBMs in order to get on formularies. So essentially, without the leverage that a PBM can bring to bear under the current rebate system, we can all assume that drug manufacturers are not from the, the, the good of their own hearts going to be discounting or lowering prices to the degree that they do under the, the, the system today. There's zero historical evidence Zero historical evidence. And, and Mark, I, I, I seem to recall that there was even a hearing uh, at the Senate Finance Committee last year where that very question was asked of some of the uh, drug manufacturer CEOs. That's right. And they didn't give any guarantees that they would reduce prices. Moreover, when the independent CMS office, the actuary, looked at this, they believed that manufacturers would actually reduce their level of discounts relative to the rebates they provide today. And that's part of the reason why premiums would increase. So let's talk about the fact that this isn't a new idea, right? HHS proposed the same thing last year, ultimately decided not to proceed because government actuaries, as you just referenced, and more than one, I think, both the CMS actuary and the Congressional Budget Office, analyzed this idea and said that moving to a system of upfront discounts or, or point of sale rebates is going to raise Medicare Part D premiums. Can you lay out for our listeners why that will happen? And has anything happened since last year that would change the analysis that, that we saw from the CMS actuary? A, a lot of answers go into the series of questions you basically just asked. So first off, you know, why, why did we have that analysis? Well, historically, both Congress and administrations going back to the Clinton administration have said for any major rule, there should be a regulatory impact analysis. And when that rule impacts a Medicare or Medicaid part of the program, it's been the CMS office, the actuary that does that. And, and so they did that in this case. When a rule impacts or potentially impacts legislation that's in flight, Often Congress will ask the Congressional Budget Office to also look into the matter. And they did so in this case because there was active legislation going through the committees of jurisdiction in both the House and the Senate on drug pricing. And what CBO found is that they basically found the same thing as the CMS Office, the actuary, that this rule would increase premiums. So you ask, you know, why would that happen? There's several reasons. First, uh, as I mentioned before, 
everybody in the space believes that if you take pressure off the manufacturer, if you basically give the manufacturer more leverage, which this rule does, that they'll provide less discounts than they do under the current rebate system. And that was a major part of what the CMS actuaries found. And then that would have inflationary pressure. Secondly, and this hasn't been examined as much because it's really hard to do from a behavioral perspective, but what you would do if you applied all discounts at point of sale is you'd shrink that differential between brand and generic drugs. And what you'd see is more people sticking to more expensive brands rather than switching to generics. And over time, that would also have an inflationary impact on premiums. And there are many other reasons. At the end of the day, this regulation wasn't comprehensive and well thought out about all the different angles in the program. It really only tries to, quote, reform one piece. And when you do that, you tend to give more leverage to one player. And in this case, it gives more leverage to drug manufacturers. Thanks, Mark. So, so in other words, for all the reasons you just articulated, the same level of savings on drug costs are not going to be available if this reform goes through. And without that savings to apply to premium across the board for all beneficiaries, premiums are going to go up. That's right. Yep. That's the simple way of putting it. Walk us through, you talked a little bit about process. Let's talk about the process going forward. First of all, this all happened as part of an executive order. What, what is an executive order? Does it have the force of law? And what, what happens next? Has the system been changed already or are there other steps to come? So this is part of a process. An executive order simply is a written directive from the president for the administration to take some sort of action. In this case, specifically on this executive order, the president is directing the Secretary of Health and Human Services to move forward with finalizing the previous proposed rule. Now, there's a number of different ways Secretary Azar could do that. He could finalize the previous proposal. He could finalize the proposal with a comment period, and then it would be finalized at some later date. Or he could reissue a new proposed rule making changes based on the previous comments. We don't know yet how he's going to approach that. Uh, and the executive order does not specify the specific action that he should take. So we're in a wait and see period on that. Well, Mark, I recall that there was quite a bit of press coverage and, and a fairly high profile public announcement last time, last year, that they were withdrawing this rule. So you're telling me there are scenarios in which the secretary might be able to say, no, we didn't really mean to withdraw it and, and just move forward and finalize something? Potentially, uh, that's not the norm. Uh, we rarely ever see that kind of action across, and this is not about Republican or Democrat. If you look historically across administrations of both parties, this is not how things are normally dealt with. But We've seen a number of things out of this administration that are out of the box, and uh, so that potential's there in this case. So let's talk about what that could mean. If, if they finalize a rule, it immediately goes into effect. Insurance plans have already submitted their bids for the 2021 plan year. So how would that even work? What does it mean for, for plans next year and the Medicare beneficiaries that they serve? 
So the simple answer is we don't know because <laughs> this has never been done before. But let's talk that through functionally what that means. As you pointed out, bids are, are basically final. The average national premium was announced last week. There's a couple of uh, very technical loose ends to tie up around the contracting, but that basically everything's done uh, for next year. And there's not a process through which bids can be reopened. Once they're done, they're done. Uh, so let's say this rule comes out and it's effective immediately or, or for next year. What does that mean? Well, anytime you make changes to how the supply chain works and the pricing system, you need to have processes and procedures developed, including uh, computers, information technology for all the stakeholders. So manufacturers, CMS, seniors, plans, PBMs, and the pharmacies. And you need to do that in a effective way in which there's testing done with all those users. If you don't, then you're likely to have mistakes made at the pharmacy. In other words, that the seniors charged the wrong price, the wrong cost share. And we've seen when systems are rushed in this program in the past or other government programs that there's been challenges. Most recently, healthcare.gov from the Affordable Care Act. In Medicare Part D, when it started, the premium withholding system with the Social Security Administration there were a lot of errors in that, and uh, seniors had their entire um, uh, their entire Social Security check wiped out in some cases. So it's very important to understand that a reg really is just a piece of paper. Until you make it real with processes and systems, and you test them and make sure that there won't be mistakes that harm seniors, you have those risks. And if they try to finalize the rule now, you would definitely have those risks because none of these things have been tested. So the process and the timing is actually super important here. Yep. Uh, if they are going to do something, if they are going to implement it, that they take the time to set up the infrastructure and the system in a way that's going to minimize the impact on Medicare beneficiaries, even acknowledging their, their premiums are going up. There's any number of other risk points if they don't get the system right and take their time. It's a complicated system and you need to do it right and test it, uh, make sure that there's no negative impacts on seniors. And then, of course, we talked about the premium impact and, and that would continue to play out every year. So, Mark, you've been around healthcare for a long time. Let me ask your opinion uh, just objectively. Does this kind of a change make sense to you? And if not, what's the best way to get drug prices down? Because I think we all share the objective that the administration is trying to accomplish, which is getting drug prices down for American consumers. So if not this, then then what? Well, a, a couple of things. I mean, first, as I pointed out before, when you have a complicated system with multiple stakeholders, you never want to target just one stakeholder in that system, because then all you're doing is giving leverage to one or more of the other stakeholders. And that's what this does. We're giving more leverage to manufacturers without making them contribute anything. So if you want to have reform, it's got to be comprehensive reform. It's got to look at all the leverage points to reduce costs. The second thing I point out in Part D is let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes, we have issues with high cost specialty drugs. But let's take a step back and look at the things that are working. 
premiums have been flat, sometimes going down. I think that's a good thing. I think most people would agree that's a good thing. Cost sharing for generics is not a problem. Nobody's complaining about that. In many cases, preferred brands prices have been relatively flat and cost sharing is in a good place. So really what we need to do is solve for the areas where there are challenges. And I think most people recognize that we have a challenge in, in the high cost, specialty drug space, particularly orphan drugs. So what can we do to uh, start to solve for that? One, we have a competition problem. So we do not have a robust biosimilar market yet in the United States. And there are a number of reasons for that, um, but let, let's go fix that so that we have the same type of price discounts uh, for specialty drugs with the biosimilars that we see with generics. And generics have worked for decades now. Um, we also have a challenge with manufacturers being involved in anti-competitive behavior, extending monopolies through patent abuse, through pay for delayed tactics and other issues that have nothing to do with CMS. These are issues uh, that have to be solved for at the Patent Office, at the Federal Trade Commission and others. And then for the small number of high cost specialty drugs that can't be solved immediately through competitive mechanisms, then let's talk about things like maybe some sort of out-of-pocket protection. But if we're gonna do an out-of-pocket cap or protection, it has to be financed fairly. It has to involve all the stakeholders. So the manufacturers are gonna to have to kick in money. Uh, the government's gonna to have to be involved. But let's negotiate and discuss that above board, not behind the scenes through some obscure regulatory process. Thanks, Mark. It, it strikes me as you covered that uh, very comprehensively that a lot of a lot of the problem boils down to sufficient competition that can be leveraged to bring prices down. Right now, PBMs are able to to leverage that competition to negotiate discounts in the form of rebates that help keep premiums low for all Medicare beneficiaries. How do we create more competition and more leverage points in the system? Seems to be a, a, at the root of your answer uh, in terms of what are the real answers to getting drug prices down? We, we've, we've seen when competition is allowed to happen and protect it, it works. When you have anti-competitive behavior or you have government policies like the protected classes in Part D, then you interfere with competition and prices go up and premiums go up, cost sharing goes up. So let, let's, let's make competition robust and take away those uh, impediments to it. That makes a lot of sense, Mark. And, and I really appreciate your time and, and, and insight today. Obviously, there's a lot more work to be done, both in understanding this question around rebates, but more importantly, coming up with the right solutions that are going to help uh, to lower drug prices for Americans. So thanks, Mark, again for your time. And I'd like to thank everybody for, for joining us. As a reminder, you can download and listen to other episodes of The Pharmacy Benefit by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever your favorite download platform is. I'm JC Scott. Thanks for joining me. Mm -hmm.